This is the Practical Homeopathy Podcast, episode number 85. Joe at Calabrese here, folks. I'm happy that you've joined me for my podcast today. You're in for a treat. From my virtual classroom, I'm privileged to see how homeopathy is transforming lives all over the globe. Their successes inspire me. They're glorious and powerful, and I can't keep their triumphs a secret. I want you to hear the excitement my students experience too, so you can be inspired by the unique stories. So with the help from Kate, my reporter, I bring you a podcast series I call Moms with Moxie. Sometimes we even interview dads with audacity or teens with tenacity. See how regular mothers and others, average folks who love healing those around them, have gone from freaking to fabulous by simply applying what they've learned using what I call practical homeopathy. Welcome everyone to another Mom with Moxie podcast. Today, I'm excited for you all to get to know Jennifer. She's with me here today. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Good. Me too. I'm really excited to get to know you a little bit more and to hear your story. So let's get started by hearing from you about your background and maybe how you came into the natural healing modality. Well, I live in Central Texas. Um, I'm on a life learning journey with my son, who's 12, and daughter, nine, and my husband. And we live on Unruly Farm, which is a small farm. We have dog, cats, and chickens. And um, my background is in the social sciences, and I love research. And so it's kind of translated into me into researching healthy and holistic living, which is my segue into learning and using homeopathy. So you must have been passionate then about natural healing for a long time. Is that true? The last 20 years, yes. Oh, wow. Yes. So about 20 years ago, I was exposed to a chemical that I had a severe reaction to. And it it started me on a journey with reclaiming my health and understanding chemical sensitivities. And it just kind of led itself into holistic living. And during that time, I discovered a lot of different things that people were using diet and herbs. And I really had not even heard of homeopathy. And now when I look back, I think, how could I not have heard of homeopathy in my whole life? It's stupefying to me. But I got a sunburn and I was using aloe vera gel and, you know, all of the herbal things. And it just wasn't doing the trick. And so I went to a little health food store that I frequented and I asked the person, what would you recommend for sunburn? And she said, try this. And she gave me some, some burn cream. And I put it on, and within 15 minutes, I had about a 60% reduction in pain. And I thought, what is this stuff? I didn't even read the label. When, you know, I just purchased it. And so I looked, <laughs> and it said, homeopathic preparation of cantharis. So that was the first time that you've ever heard of homeopathy. That's correct. It was the first time. It was about 20 years ago. Wow. And so I became really interested in what worked so well for the sunburn. And I went back to the health food store and I purchased my first book. You know, it's hard now to think back about my life before homeopathy. (laughs) It really is. I mean, you know how they say when you're learning a second language, you start dreaming in that language and you know you're really getting it. 
<laughs> so I had a dream the other night and in the dream I was telling somebody about a homeopathic remedy. So I think it's become a, a second language for me almost. Wow. <laughs> And it is translating for my children too. They both have their own little homeopathic kits that they carry in their backpacks and they both ask for them because I have a kit in my purse that I like that I finally developed with a jewelry organizer. Mm -hmm. And so my daughter said, Oh, I want one of those. So we got one. And then my son, he said he wanted something, but he wanted, you know, something a little tougher. So he has a nice little plastic case for his. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that, because I feel like this is fascinating that your kids wanted these and what you came up with. So explain that a little bit more. So homeopathy has been a part of my life, their entire lives. And so we've worked with it. They've used it. And it's just, it's second nature to them now. If they have an injury or an issue, we have a first aid box and they go get their first aid with homeopathy. Recently, something flew into my eye and I just had read the lesson that Joe had sent out about aconite being the arnica for the eye. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm having issues, I'll say, Hey, I just got something in my eye. I'm going to take aconite because it's arnica for the eye. I'm very vocal about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so then a couple of days after that, something flew in my daughter's eye and she was having pain from it. And she said, Oh, I remember aconite is the arnica for the eye. So I'm always very verbal about what remedies I'm using and why I'm selecting them and they're listening Mm -hmm. and they've had such great success with homeopathy. In fact, my son is very active and thankfully we've only had one broken bone and had injured his leg and he was busy. He didn't want to stop. And the next day he looked down and he had this big purple bruise on it. And he said, what is that? I said, it's a bruise, Cyrus. That's how they look when you don't work with them with Arnica. And he was just aghast that a bruise could look like that because usually we apply Arnica topically. You take Arnica by mouth for bruising. But that was just funny to me. He was horrified that this big purple thing was on his leg. So, And also, I started doing this in books that I read. And I would think if someone was injured or ill, I would think if I was there and I wanted to use homeopathy, what remedies would I use? And I just started thinking that way as a way to educate myself about homeopathy. We read aloud a lot in our life learning. We were reading a book about the Oregon Trail. And it was a great opportunity because a lot of things happened to this poor family on the Oregon Trail. And one of them was cholera. And so I said, well, if they had homeopathy, what would they have taken? So we got out a book and we read what cholera was and the symptoms. And we discussed what remedies they might have taken. And then another person had a snake bite. And so different things. As we read books, we talk about if we were there with our homeopathy kids, what would we do? Mm, So that's that's just a fun way for us to learn homeopathy together. Hopefully we're not going to need that one. but (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yes, hopefully not. Um, So both of your children then asked you to get them something to carry the remedies. Yes. My daughter wanted the jewelry case that I turned into the homeopathic kit for hers. And my son, he found a little box that fit perfectly into his backpack. And Mm -hmm. it has about 15 remedies in it. Do you pick out the remedies that go in their cases or do they pick them out? I pick them out. We talked about why I have each remedy that I have in my kit. And then we talked about, you know, why I use them and what we would use them for. So do you have anything in their kits that explains if something were to happen, which remedy, you know what I'm saying? Like a piece of paper or something? Right. I had a pre-made kit from a company that had a little booklet in there. 
And we use that booklet because it's basically the same remedies. And so it has a little booklet on using each remedy. Okay. And we're going to show on Joette's website below the recording of the podcast, you're going to see a picture of the jewelry case that you've turned into your homeopathic and emergency kit, so to speak. Yeah. You can see what we're talking about by looking at that picture. I think it's brilliant what you've done with the jewelry kit. I actually never thought of that. And I'm thinking about making one for myself because I love how that jewelry kit holds those remedies from the picture that you sent me. And then also you said that you have some other things in there too. Tell us about that. There's a larger zipper bottom. And in that I have some adhesive bandages. I have a saline vial for washing out wounds or even if somebody gets something in their eye. I have some herbal salve that I actually make in there as well for cuts and bumps. I have the original burn cream that I still use all these years. It's great for bug bites and stings. And then I have Arnica cream. Who manufactures the burn and bug bite cream that you really like? Waleda. And I used to be able to buy it at health food stores. And at some point along in the last 15 years, they stopped selling it directly in stores. But I call and I order it from them directly. So at the beginning of the summer, I call and order about four tubes of it just so I'll have it. And then I inevitably will give some away. That's the other thing I have in my kit. I bought some little tiny bags that seal at the top because I will inevitably give somebody my whole vial. So now I have these little bags. I don't Mm -hmm. know if they are showing on the photo or not, but I can put, you know, a a dosage in there and give them the bag and then I don't give away my vials. Of the homeopathy. Yeah, so I just bought a little packet of like, a hundred and I just keep those in there in case I want to share it with other people. That's a good idea. I'm going to make one for myself. Thank you for sharing. Yes. And also, I don't know if anyone else has had this experience carrying the vials in their purse, but the labels on mine would tend to rub wherever they were. And this keeps the labels from rubbing off as well. So this protects the labels. So that's just Mm -hmm. an extra bonus that you don't lose the writing on the outside. All right, so let's hear some of the ways that you've used homeopathy over the last 20 years. I bet you have some great stories to share with us. One of the things that immediately comes to mind is night terrors. And I don't know if you've been around someone that's had a night terror. My daughter had night terrors, and they are terrifying for the person that is taking care of them. You really can't wake the person up, and it is very scary. And at the time, I really wasn't prepared homeopathically for them, and then Fortunately, there was an article about them of using Ignatia, and I used Ignatia in the 200 potency, and my daughter had a night terror, and because we've done homeopathy, and I would say, open up like a baby bird, you know, when we take our remedies, <laughs> yeah. so in her night terror, I was able just to say, open up like a baby bird, and she actually did, oh. and I administered the Ignatia, and Within five minutes, she closed her eyes and truly went back to sleep. And it was amazing because the previous one she had had lasted for 20 minutes. And so it happened again about two weeks later. We did just one single dose that night, and she's never had one since. And that's been probably three years ago. Yay! That's awesome. Yes, that is awesome. And so I'm so grateful to have had that remedy for those. As a mother in the middle of the night, it's a very scary thing, even though, you know, it's not like a high fever and you're worried and all those things, but it's just a scary experience. And I'm just so glad to have Ignatia. I keep thinking about the remedies that I would just would not be without, and Ignatia is definitely one of those. <laughs> yes. And do you ever take Ignatia while you're going through that? 
You know, I think that night I did take it myself as well. I think while I was waiting for that five minutes to pass, I took a dose myself. Yeah. Even though, you know, logically in your head that it's just a night terror, it's still for your child to be terrified like that is unnerving. It is. It's very unnerving. What else? Poison ivy. We live in a rural area and my son climbs trees and, you know, you will climb through poison ivy and not even know that you climb through it. And he was really getting into it. And I used the anacardium and it, it helped relieve the symptoms. And this year I prepared for the poison ivy season after I read a blog post, The Perils of Summer, Poison Ivy and Poison Oak. And it discusses using the Rooftox 30 prophylactically. And so I did that with my son and he contracted poison ivy only one time this summer and it was much less severe. It healed quickly and he was thrilled with the results of using the Rooftox prophylactically and so was I. We had many nights prior to that where he would wake up in the night miserable itching from the poison ivy and the one bout he had with it this year was so mild. It was incredible. We got a lot more sleep this summer because he wasn't waking up itching and miserable. We will definitely be doing the roost talks prophylactically again next summer. Yeah, good. So you were referring to a blog on Joette's website, joettecalibres.com. So that's one thing that I failed to ask you about earlier in our podcast. How did you come to learn about Joette? I kind of want to bridge the gap from seeing the word homeopathic preparation to how you came to study homeopathy and then ultimately learn about Joette. Initially, when I was studying homeopathy, I relied on books because I love books and I have a lot of homeopathy books. And when I ventured into online research, I was pregnant with my daughter and I was looking for homeopathic and cell salt support because I had discovered cell salts at that point. And I found Joette's Cell Salts, the Easy Homeopathy Program, and then also Cure Yourself and Your Family. And I began using both of those resources. Your introduction to Joette was those two programs. And then did you go on to take any of her other courses or consult with her? Or Yes, I've done both. I consulted with her for chemical sensitivities, where I started my journey here. And... I have done the feminopathy course and the survival course. The survivalist guide to homeopathy is actually one of my favorites. Yes. When I go on trips, I take that binder and the kit that I purchased with that. That is my primary travel kit because I think I'm going to be prepared for just about anything when I'm traveling with that resource. So tell us how it's going with your chemical sensitivities. Do you still have those? I have probably a 90% improvement in symptoms than when I started the working with Joette. And I have a protocol of what to do if I'm exposed to chemicals, which is very helpful, which for me is primarily arsenicum album. And that is another remedy that I just would never be without. If I've been in a situation that I've been exposed to chemicals, I can take that remedy and it helps my body deal with the chemical exposure. Now, do you take that in a 30C potency or 200C potency when you're exposed and have some issues? I take it in the 200C potency. Okay. My one remedy, if I'm on a desert island and can only take one remedy, Arsenicum album is my one remedy that I would take, I think. Me too. Absolutely. I've used it with my chickens. I've used it with the chemical sensitivities. I, it's just an amazing remedy. 
So you mentioned using arsenicum with your chickens. Tell us what you use that for. We have a small flock of chickens and they all have names, of course. And Lacey, one of our chickens, she would just kind of freeze in place and not move. And we could tell that she was off and there was something wrong. And then her droppings also did not look the way they usually looked. And so I didn't have any kind of resource for chickens at that point on using homeopathy. And so I thought, okay, there's something wrong with her droppings. I'm going with arsenicum. So I used arsenicum. We caught her. We gave her one dose. We put her in the coop. And in the morning, she walked out and everything was completely normal with her. Yay. And about three days later, she had the same. She froze in place and had not as severe. And the droppings were a little bit different, but not as severe. Gave her one more dose. And then she was completely fine after that. I still don't know what the issue was, but it didn't matter. I was able to help her with just using arsenicum. So now I'm trying to picture how you're giving the remedy to your chicken, to Lacey. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, if you put it in her water, that's one thing, but maybe you have a different method. Well, my husband held her and I just pried her beak open and dropped a couple of pellets Oh, Was she a good girl? She was. I mean, she wasn't feeling like being a fighter right then, so that was helpful. But, you know, she wasn't drinking at that point, so I thought, this is the only way I'm going to get it in her. And I guess I could have also maybe had done a wet dose with her, but I just thought, I'm just going to try this. Because that's kind of my my <laughs> philosophy, with, especially working with that. I'm just going to try this and see what happens. And it worked. And the second time, it was more difficult to dose her that way because she felt better. Oh. So. Yeah, she was not wanting it the second time. But after the second time, she has not had any more issues. Hmm. And I realize now I should have isolated her. As I'm reading more, I have educated myself on caring for the chickens, and maybe I should have isolated her. But thankfully, it wasn't anything contagious. Mm -hmm. But if it had been, I could have put it in all of their water, from what I understand. I actually just gave something to our cat the poor thing. I closed a door on her tail and I didn't mean to. It was an accident and she ran off afraid of me and I couldn't get her even to want to stay by me too much because she was afraid then. And so I was trying to figure out how I was going to give her some Arnica and I didn't want to put it in her bowl of water that she already had. So I put another little cup with water and then I put a couple of Arnica pellets in there. And then I thought, well, if she needs it, she's going to drink this water. And I brought her over there and showed Mm -hmm. her the water and she kind of stuck her nose in there. So I don't know if she actually got a dose of it or not, but I left it out there because I feel like animals are very intuitive. And so hopefully that helped her. Yes. If you offer them a healing modality, they will avail themselves of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was thinking, too, of pets. My neighbor has a very big heart, and she has five dogs that she has taken in at various points, rescue dogs. And one of them is a little deer chihuahua, and he was not feeling well. It had been one of those days that it had been warm the day before, and then a big wind came in, and he was chilly and clingy to her, and his stomach was hurting. And they'd previously taken him to the vet for that, fearing that he had um, impaction. And he did not. He just had gas. And oh. so I just, I, <laughs> I took this, I took actually pulsatilla to her. And I said, let's just try him on a dose of pulsatilla and see what happens. And within 
15 minutes, he passed gas and stopped shivering and went about his regular day. She was very thrilled that it did not involve a vet visit. Mm. And so now I've given her some on hand. If Archie, that's the dog's name, if Archie gets out of sorts with his stomach, that seems to be the remedy that helps him. And I'm also trying to keep notes. So I have a little folder on animals. And so I wrote down when I gave the chicken arsenicum and how the remedy worked. And when I gave Archie the pulsatilla, so I'm trying to keep better notes than I have in the past. I don't always keep the notes, but it makes a huge difference. You can look back and say, hey, what worked before when this happened? Yes, it does make a huge difference. I have another story about helping a friend with my favorite remedy, Arsenicum album. And this involves the Texas asp. What is that? It's also known as the pus moth caterpillar. And it looks like a little toupee. It's just this furry little caterpillar that is on oak trees. But each little hair on that caterpillar is a barb. It's very toxic. It's supposed to be extremely painful to get one on you and be stung by it. And my friend actually stepped on one in her garage. And she's had four children completely natural. And she said that this is the worst pain that she's ever had. So she uses homeopathy as well. And she was taking different remedies. She took Leadum and she took aconite because she said, you know, it was just shocking. And we were texting and she said, I just feel this pain just creeping up my leg. And I said, you're being poisoned by this asp. I said, try arsenicum. So she took it and she said that she could feel the pain and poison moving back down towards where she stepped on it. Wow. And after about five minutes, it crept up again. So she was taking it about every five minutes for 30 minutes. And then it completely went back down into her foot. But she really had to work with that sting, but it poisoned her and she just tried the arsenicum and it really helped her. And then she could move to a longer interval between the dosage. I never want to encounter one of those. That is for sure. You guys have a lot of poisonous things in Texas. We do. We've thankfully never had to use any kind of homeopathy for snake bites. We have several venomous snakes in Texas, but we all know what we would do if we were bitten by a snake on our way to emergency care. So we have lachesis is what we would take on the way. That's our plan. It's in our first aid kit. I also wanted to talk about using homeopathy with plants. Yeah. I would love to hear about it. Right. So primarily I've used the remedy that's commonly known as China and The scientific name is cinchona. It can be used for depletion of vital fluids if somebody's lost vital fluids and been dehydrated. Mm -hmm. So we have droughts here in Texas, and I planted some elderberry trees, and they are water-loving trees, and they were just not looking happy at all, no matter how much I watered them. And so I decided to use that remedy for them. And so I just had a gallon jar, and I put some of the remedy in there and stirred it up and poured it on their roots. And by the next day, they had perked up. They looked much healthier. They weren't as falling over as they had been. And so I started doing that weekly during the drought time for the elderberries. And I think it really helped them. And then I started doing it for other plants that I noticed were being affected by the drought. Did you read that someplace or do you just figure that out? Well, I, I figured that out on my own. And then I actually found a book called Homeopathy for Plants. And It's written by someone that's in the UK. So, you know, there are some plants that are not the same as in the United States, but it has a lot of great information on how to use homeopathy for your garden and balcony plants and indoor plants. My inside plants, sometimes they experience a drought because of their 
caregiver, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be a good remedy to have on hand. <laughs> uh, what else, Jennifer? How else have you used homeopathy? I've used cell salts, which was my original course that I learned from Joette. And one of the combinations that I've used is the Nat Muir and the Califos to prevent dehydration, especially when someone's dealing with a stomach bug. We would do it every three hours. And the other is an electrolyte replacement. It's very hot here. I mix this up frequently. And I have a huge three-ring binder, and I print out the remedy cards from the blog, and I put them in my binder. I take notes on different things. And this is just handwritten. I took a note from this electrolyte replacement. And it was 16 bioplasma, 16 nat sulf, and the 6x potency, a fourth of a cup of lemon or lime juice, a teaspoon of sea salt, and then a cup of coconut water. And then you put it in a gallon and add water to make it a gallon. And so that's what our family drinks for electrolyte replacement. I know Joette has used that with her family throughout the years, and I've used something similar as well. And if our listeners are looking at where to find that recipe, so to speak. There's a blog titled Sunburn and Dehydration, Homeopathy Offers the Cure. And there are several blogs that you can find that recipe on, as well as in the Gateway 2 study guide, if you have that. The recipe is also in lesson two, towards the end of the lesson. So that's a great thing to have on hand in the hot months. Well, here in Wisconsin, there are very few, but <laughs> in Texas, you probably need that often. <laughs> Yes. And also I had a friend who had the flu and she was severely dehydrated and I made this for her and she drank it. It was one of the few things she could actually keep down. And she said it really helped her recover from the dehydration from the flu. So Jennifer, let's wrap up this podcast by hearing some words of wisdom that you have on being healthy. What I've noticed over the last 20 years of exploring healthy living and taking care of myself and taking care of my children and helping them take care of themselves is that when we have a really strong foundation, we're eating nutritious foods, we're getting good sleep, we're managing our stress. I think about the holidays and you go to too many functions and at the end of it, everybody's stressed and tired. I can just see the dominoes fall. If we go somewhere and we eat something that's sugary, we don't get enough sleep and we've had too much excitement, and maybe somebody there had a cold, we were more likely to come down with the cold. You know, if we eliminated the sugar and we got better sleep, then we probably aren't even going to come down with the cold. We're never even going to take the homeopathy. Yeah, it comes down to having a strong vitality. So if you have that good yes. foundation, I think you were telling me in our last conversation that you felt like the homeopathy actually worked more quickly when you have a stronger baseline to start with. Yes, and oftentimes with just one dose. I think that's a really good point. If we take care of ourselves, then our body has to do less work to heal, obviously, right? <laughs> if we're in yes, a stronger, right. stronger constitution, stronger vitality, the homeopathy will act more quickly and be more effective. We have to take less of it and so forth. Well, homeopathy is a helper to me. And everything I do to make it easier for my helper to help me in a way is taking care of myself. So then when I do need my homeopathic helper, my body's ready to use it and heal. I mean, I get kind of emotional when I think about these are plants and minerals and we're using tiny amounts of them to heal. I mean, it's just, it's a miracle to me. 
I do. I tear up when I think about how amazing homeopathy is. I mean, we're just taking in this this little bit and it tells our body like, hey, use me to heal yourself. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I think of them as little signals to our body to Mm -hmm. get working. (laughs) Right. I am so grateful for the gift of homeopathy. It is medicine that helps your body heal without hurting your body. And that to me is priceless. As I hope you know by now, on my blog, podcasts, and Facebook Live, I offer as many protocols for simple conditions as I can, for free, without affiliates or advertising. But let me be clear, when it comes to more complex conditions, it's key that you learn how to use these medicines properly. I want you to be well-trained. So I save discussions of the more involved methods for my courses in which I walk students through each method with step-by-step training. In these podcasts, I focus on those students of mine who have already tunneled in and learned how to take care of themselves, family and friends and pets, and even livestock using homeopathic medicine. Many of these students began their education by participating in one of my Gateway to Homeopathy study groups. And now, after taking one or more of my courses, they're well-trained to use my specific brand of homeopathy. I hope listening to this podcast has inspired you to follow in their footsteps. With the proper training, you too can nurture and protect the health of your family and loved ones with practical homeopathy. You just listened to a podcast from practicalhomeopathy.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay strong through homeopathy. Joette's podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. To learn more and find out if homeopathy is a good fit for your health strategy, visit practicalhomeopathy.com.